Greasy tasty. Chips are good, right? No, chips. Chips. C-H-I-P-S. I love you. Chips. Anyway. Oh, hey. Oh. Hey. Uh, welcome to episode 10 of the Dead Idea of a Hollow podcast. Uh, my name is Gary Butterfield. Maybe in 10 episodes, maybe I've picked up a listener. Or two, maybe someone, you know, decided not to start at the beginning. They're like, you know, they wanted to hear all the the hot breaking news about the Winky Links break and all this, uh, the Pharaoh coming down on his, uh, his subjects and all the latest news. It snowed in the Midwest. That's news. That doesn't happen. So maybe they, you know, they, they like a topical podcast. So they didn't tune into the first episode. They tuned into episode 10 first. So I figured I'd restate the premise. Uh, the premise is, this is just kind of a freeform, short little podcast where I can throw some music in. I can have a little funny question mark, little sketchlets and bits and ideas and stuff, and then kind of little ranty opinion things. Yeah, and the general order it goes is ranty opinion thing, then a song, and then some kind of little bit. It's not always going to go that way, but that's how it's been going. Don't let anyone say I'm a slave to tradition. I am no man's slave. Uh, oh. Oh, chips. Mm. Oh. Chips. To get you a chip in it, eventually it just becomes this kind of starchy wad. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like mine go down into my stomach. Like, I got some kind of secondary chamber you know, right behind my, my xiphoid process that just kind of is a little, I imagine like a deflated balloon filled with chip pulp that every once in a while, you know, so every clown pulls and snaps back and shoots it back up into my throat, you know, and it's a, it's a real tribute to these chips that I'm eating. And I don't want to say what kind they are because I don't want to, you know, see my advertising for them, but they're really tasty. And I'm not going to say they're good when chip pulp comes back up, but I'm not going to say they're bad. I'm not going to say it's gross and it is gross. But it doesn't doesn't taste gross. I just know it's gross because of the concept. I know that, you know, being a pre-chewed food dude is is a uh, is gross. Is what they used to say in in school, in grade school. But anyway, you know this whole thing with Taco Bell. Uh, if you don't know what's happening, Taco Bell's being sued because they're not maintaining the minimum standard of beef in their beef. And everyone is missing the point on this. Like everyone, first of all. The Taco Bell is beholden to make their beef, you know, on one hand, they're beholden to make their beef 40% beef. And the people who are accusing them are saying they're at like 33. Why? You know, so if that's something you care about, like why is 40% beef okay? What's in the other 60%? And we know what's in the other 60%. It's like essentially, you know, veggie burgers and like shredded phone books. Why? It's so weird that people are like, you know, you can, you can feed me 60% general edible in addition to my beef. But once you go below 40%, that's where I draw the line. So that's stupid. But like fast food, junk food, like chips and everything, you are fooling yourself if you think that you're not eating, like you're eating pure beef when you go to Taco Bell or any of these restaurants. 
Like if you if you're gonna spend sixty nine cents, sixty nine pennies for for like a burrito the size of your forearm, you know, at, at Taco Bell, there's gonna be some cardboard in there, and you should know that by now. If you don't, you know, what are you what are you expecting? Like, God damn it, why is this beef free? Everything it's very complicated to get any amount of beef to get that forty percent of beef that's your minimum standard. To get that to your plate, that's very complicated. Like a farmer has to grow a cow. He has to slaughter it in the most inhumane way possible. He has to feed it other cows and chemicals until it becomes this little like the super soldier of cows. But like the opposite of super. You know, they injected Steve Rogers with, I don't know, polio and then just shoved him out of a plane in World War II. That's what our cows are. And But that's, you know, it's cruel. You might not like it, but you can't deny that it's got to be expensive. And it's got to be more expensive than 69 cents per burrito. You know, and that's not counting, like, everything else that goes into it and paying the the employees and the sad fucking managers. You know, like, managing a taco... I worked for a Taco Bell. That was one of my first jobs to save up to buy a PlayStation 1 and Final Fantasy 7. And uh, Taco Bell managers or any fast food managers are fucking sad, sad creatures. Like, they don't get to just sit in an office and schedule people like regular managers. They just have to make tacos also. Like, I don't know if anybody realizes, but you go to McDonald's, if like on their little, you know, uniform, if they've got like a little special pin or a little special badge or they're wearing a slightly nicer shirt, they probably run that place. But you know what they're doing? They're running back and forth to get you a hamburger. So all these people have to be paid. So if you're going to spend 69 cents on a burrito and you're expecting full beef, you're out of your mind. It's just, and if you, any people are expectations of prices for food are really crazy like i i grew up really poor and uh i i feel that way like my mom always told this story about like this this couple week period where all she had to do is feed me all she could feed me were potatoes you know how much potatoes cost it's like a dollar for like 30 pounds of potatoes potatoes are so cheap like food is really cheap it's like loaves of bread like good like we recently made the switch to good bread like when back in in Illinois, we generally bought generic bread, and then we switched up to the bread that was like a dollar seventy nine, that like looked like the good bread, but went stale as soon as you looked at it, and like only tasted slightly better. And now for lunch, I buy like the best bread in the world, which again I don't want to say what bread it is, cause I don't want to advertise, but um, it's like some of this this ex convict bread that they have in Portland, and it's delicious. It's so good. And at first, every time I buy it, I'm like, oh god, four bucks, but it's four bucks for as like much food. It's a piece of food that is as big as, like, your thigh. And maybe not my thigh, you know, because I am going to die early. Because, you know, I am monstrously overweight. But any, you know, any normal, like, 30-year-old man, you can get, like, the size of their thigh for, like, $4. $4 is not very much money. It's a lot of food. You can make, like, 10 sandwiches, like, really amazing sandwiches with tons of nutritional value with this, like, special convict bread. I don't mean convict bread, like their bread equivalent of pruno you know it's not like if you just kind of gather grain shavings and toenail clippings and then like let it ferment behind your toilet and you get like this special convict bread i just mean it was made by a convict and i forgive him because he makes good bread i think we all should i think that any convict you know if they want to get their voting rights back and totally get forgiven they should invent some kind of amazing food stuff but anyway that, that's a whole you know i could take that idea places but we'll, we'll leave that idea it will wither on the vine right there. You're listening to its death right now. And it will not be gathered by uh, the Valkyries to be brought up to that idea of Valhalla. No, sir or madam. Um, but anyway, I think people are just kind of stupid about food. 
I also, you know, people will go kind of crazy for, you know, natural and organic things, which like, if you think it tastes better, that's fine. The science behind it, my understanding, like, and I don't want to, the problem with the, being a skeptic about these things is that you there's all these kind of food scientists and nutritionists out there. And some of them, like a group of them, will get behind like a movement and a group of them will denounce it. But you can't, like, you don't write a book denouncing it. So the people who have this movement where they're just like, well, actually, you know, like Atkins or something like that. It's like, well, actually, this is how your body reacts to meat. You can eat bacon all you want because your body doesn't process it because it's not a carb. And everybody gets behind it. They write books. They go on Oprah and everybody goes crazy for it for a little bit. The dissenting voices don't write books and don't get the, the attention. So when someone comes up to me and they tell me like a fact, like they, I've heard this from a scientist. I can eat, you know, meat all I want as long as I don't eat the bun, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this is a dated example, I know, but, you know, I don't want to dedicate my life to like finding out why that's not true. I just know that there's not a consensus to it from the small part of my life I will dedicate to learning about it. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to buy it. Food isn't as complicated, I think, as people make it out to be in that respect. You know, if you want to eat healthy, like we know what is healthy for us. You know, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's vegetables and fruit and exercise and lean meats. It's not difficult to know what it is. It's just hard to live that way. It's hard to, you know, cook with those ingredients all the time. So people, I feel like, need want this, like, cheat code. You know, they, they hear, like, from a, you know, some kind of magic way. Well, like, if I just, you know, I can eat whatever, I, you know, whatever I want as long as I cut out this. And these are certain power foods that, that do this and this. If I, you know, and, and, like, a lot of times people will do both. And that's fine. Like, if you want to eat what is, you know, un, undeniably eating well. And then also do this magic trick on top of it. That's fine. But I mean, I just like, I run into a lot of people who just want to do the magic trick. And that kind of drives me crazy. And part of it, you know, and I don't know how I got there from Taco Bell's like, you know, shredded phone book beef. But I guess what I'm saying is that when I go into a, a restaurant like that, I'm going into it knowing that there's a good chance I'm not getting real food. But also that millions and millions of people have had it before me. I've been okay. So as long as I don't do it all the time, I'm not going to die. And anybody who's surprised by like, I don't know. Same And this doesn't just go for fast food restaurants. I think this is true of, you know, when you go to a, like even like nicer, you know, middle brow restaurants. Like if you go to an Olive Garden, like that's, it's food, but it comes frozen in a bag that they just kind of boil and then like fart it out onto your plate. It's not, you know, it's not. They, they, they always have their commercials about, like, their chefs and their, their culinary institute. You know, is that just, you know, Italian people sitting around a room and one of them says, like, you know, what if we added garlic to chicken? You know, because that's all there is to it. But I, I like that restaurant. I like eating it. It tastes good. All this shit tastes good. You know, that's not the, the question. You know, you get, like, I was eating those chips. You know, they're looking at me right now. The chips are just staring at me. Every time I eat one, I get this little, you know, there's a, a little bell in the back of my head that gets triggered that's just like, you know, hmm. It's all chemicals. Like, it's all, you know, something. And I know those are bad for me, so I'm not going to sit there and eat the entire bag of them. But I'm not also, if those, that same chip was like, if it had a little blurb on the side that said, you know, made out of range-free potatoes or something. I'm not going to, you know, that I'm not out of the woods. It's still $3 for a huge bag of potato chips that are clearly greasy and salty like you touch them and you get salt under your fingers and if you they don't have any purchase on your fingertips like you have to wear special gloves because they're so slimy and slippery and frictionless in their grease 
And after you have them, you feel like you could suck a dick that was coated with asphalt because your throat is lubed up, literally lubed up from like eating a chip. You know, I'm not going to be any illusion that any of that is natural or good for me. You know, it just, I guess it just comes down to like, you know, people shouldn't lie to themselves about things. Like it feels like people's relationships with food oftentimes are built on this kind of like pyramid of lies to themselves and not everybody, you know, I, and I'm, like I said, I'm not claiming to be educated about this. I don't, you know, it's not a hobby of mine. I don't research it, but everyone I've met who does, you know, if I know that if I spent you know, a small amount of time on Google, I would find just as many scientists who were denouncing what they were saying. You know, the world is complicated. We don't know how these things work to a certain degree. It takes a long time for for our knowledge to catch up with, you know, with our, our inventions and our, our progress. And this is a song um, from an EP I did last year called life is an insane watching eye that struggles to convey some kind of message but remembers nothing other than that it had a message to convey which is a an hp lovecraft quote this was the year i got super into lovecraft this year and last year and uh it's a four song ep and it's the first thing i recorded that has my moog on it um, i really like this ep um you know but i never made copies of it and gave it to anyone and now that i don't live in DeKalb, i don't really have a way to get music out um so yeah so this song is called uh Perfectly working dig dug machine. The armor is sound if you say. Perfectly work. 
Yo, in this episode of Behenandrandandahenan Inc., the madman commemorates a good friend. James Soup immortalizes a constant reminder. And Hortense B. Soundheim gets his first tattoo that symbolizes the strength of a bond. My name is Saki Pernice. In 2002, I had a dream that I made into a solid dream reality by opening up my own shop, a tattoo shop. I got my best friend Mutaro with me. Hold on, bitches. And my apprentice Yogo. Hi. It's been a struggle, but every day I thank God for the opportunity to immortalize memories on memories with my two best friends. This is Behenandrenandhenandhenan Inc. When the madman came in saying he wanted a killer wicked tribal design and tribal tribute to his life friend the Gator, I knew I had to give it to Mutaro. No one is better than tribals than my main man, Mute. So what can I do for you today? I wanted to get a tattoo. Like Vega from Street Fighter. Bow, bow. So like, some kind of wicked dragon gang? No, a tribal for my main man, Gator Boy. Gator Boy is basically like my best friend. I was there when he married the Swamp Lass, and I was there at the hatching of their eggs. We're tight, and basically, I want to symbolize that bond using a tattoo. I just knew I had to come to Saki's shop, because it's the only one in town. It's like when I went to Red Mad Max as a kid, and they didn't have Mega Man. When I saw the Mad Man come in, I thought, oh, this guy needs to get off the street. We usually have a strict no homo policy at the shop. The whole downtown has that policy, due to the gerrymandering by Councilman Sneevish. But even then I figured, hey, brother need a sandwich. I'm not homeless. My home is in the shed outside Gator Boy's Swamp Shack. It doesn't have a roof, which makes it hard for me to tongue my dick dongo. He dislikes smoke, but what he really dislikes more is rain. Rain makes my boner dry up faster than Super Mario Bros. 3 World 2. Yo. We could do a wicked tribe that in honor of your bro, but why don't you spend that money on a house or some pants that proper? What are you, Wall Street kid? The way I spend my money is my business. While my man Mutaro was having a hard time with the madman, I was having problems of my own. Yo, can I help your ass? Hi the fuck are you? I'm James Soup. I want a tattoo! <laughs> Whoa, settle down there, James. What sort of tat you gonna get? It's Jame. My name is Jame. There are not two of me. My brother, he lost his brain. He lost it with the turtles. I want to get a tribute portrait of him sitting on dead turtles. Turtles that would have raped him if he hadn't lost his mind. If I hadn't been too late to open brain cap. So like, a mad amount of dead turtles. And little dead homie just chilling. Yes, that's what I want. The turtles symbolize turtles that are dead. And the picture of little Johnny symbolizes my little brother, Mile. So like, a mad picture of Miles. Just maxing. To commemorate your pain? It's Mile. His name is Mile. There are not two of him. Meanwhile, we had to decide it was time for Yogo to go solo on a tad of his own. You, Celestial, immortalize my lost symphony upon my backside, post haste! So, you want symphony? Am I suddenly struck a mute? Do words not flow from my voice nectar? Bring me your manager, at once! I'll go get Saki. Yo, what up, old man? Show me some respect. 
I'm Hortense B. Soundheim, creator of Hobotown, the musical. Oh yeah, and also the musical Table Time. In my village, we remember a samurai's regret. Yes, and don't forget Manatee Meltdown. Now, I want you to stab my buttocks with inked pens until an image of my great last symphony is formed. You got a design in mind? Yes, here it is. The musical notes symbolize music on my brain pan, and the fairy symbolizes a little boy waiting to hear a symphony that will never come. The moon over here symbolizes me telling him to shut his crack-caked hole because it will never arrive. Yo, I can't do this. What? Yo, this is too small and simple. If you want to man up and get a straight-up man-tad on your back, we can talk. But otherwise, take it to the strip, ipwitch bitch. What a congress of assholes you are! Listen here, Saki, you fucked up! So yeah, join us next time when we see what sort of revenge Hortense B. Soundheim gets on us and the shop and Be-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he